Well, hello, saints, fellow believers, anyone else stumbling across this podcast. Uh, thank you for hitting the play button. And uh, my name's Mike Eckert, and I pray that what I'm about to share with you has some value to you or someone you love, someone you know. Let me start off by throwing the subject out there of this podcast so everyone will know and they'll have a general idea of where we're headed for the next few minutes. In this first of several podcasts, I'm going to discuss a subject called Unsafe Church and Pyramid Church Systems. This podcast and several others um, that I've recorded are going to be found on Podbean under Kingdom Talk, Podbean under Kingdom Talk. Uh, my plan is to release these across several platforms where uh, you can you know, use, uh, use several different apps. Uh, I'm getting ready to start doing that soon. Uh, it'll still probably be called Kingdom Talk. Uh, it'll just be on a different uh, podcast app. So let's dive right into some of this. First of all, what is unsafe church? And what is a pyramid system? Why are so many Christian churches in America in, a, in something, called, something that I would deem and many would deem unsafe? And finally, what does right church, what does safe church look like from a biblical perspective? Now, just starting off, I know that the term unsafe church or, uh, or pyramid church or something like that um, is kind of broad and kind of general. You're saying, hey, Mike, you're talking about like physically unsafe, uh, like people slipping on the floor or people getting electrocuted at church. Are we talking about churches that are in a crime infested town? You know, that kind of stuff. I am not talking about those things. The unsafe church and pyramid system I'm going to be discussing today is about people. It's about false teaching. It's about manipulation. It's about control. And when it's left unchecked or unquestioned by the flock or other leaders, it can lead to devastating fallout for believers and their families and their friends and even the local community and the sphere of influence that the church is in. Now, over the last several years, I've carefully researched unsafe church environments, past and present, across many denominations across the globe. What I found was that there were several key parallels or similarities across each and every one of these unsafe church environments. I spent time with fellow believers, friends, and mentors. I surrounded myself with good counsel. We bounced what we found off of each other for many months. We compared notes and findings. In fact, I plan to have several people who are very important to me on future podcasts. I already know there's no way I can fully peel back this entire onion in one single discussion. So we're definitely going to have more uh, podcasts, uh, more recordings. Now, a few caveats uh, before we keep going. My plan in this podcast and probably in the others is to not name names. I'm not here to out people. I'm not going to make personal accusations against any particular person, even when I speak about my most personal experiences. I just don't think at this point there's any value added. Uh, everyone's been forgiven, and I wish all of the people involved in these things the very best. And as always, Jesus is able 
to take negative experiences and turn them into blessings. The blessing for me was the incredible journey he took me on. He introduced me to new thinking. He freed my, my home, my mind, uh, my relatives, my friends from unsafe church environments. He freed and blessed my family. He gave me new friends. He strengthened my old friendships. He brought me good counsel. He surrounded me. He taught me true mutual submission one to another in love with no quid pro quo. Quid pro quo. Let me say that again. Now, back to the not naming names thing. It really isn't value added for me to name people. I can make my points without outing people. And I know there are times when there's serious accusations where law enforcement needs to be involved or or uh, there's been some type of assault or something like that where it is appropriate to name the name of the person or persons doing these things. For, for this, probably not. Uh, I'm just going to focus on the stories. Um, there will be a few local folks who, I, who know what I'm talking about and they probably know the people I'm talking about, but there's nothing I can do about that. But at the same time, this is not a local situation. What I'm going to be outing is bad theology and false teaching and manipulation and control mechanisms that have been built into the church over, over long periods of time that I am now, and I'm fully convinced it's happening all over America. Now, uh, some of the terminology and churchy language and jargon might be different uh, where where you serve or, or in the flock you're in or in the church you're in, they might say things a little different at your church or in the expression that you follow. Uh, but the substance of unsafe church, I have found, is universal. So before I tell my story and offer insight, let me reintroduce myself. Again, my name's Mike Eckert. I currently live in Kentucky. I have a beautiful wife, two wonderful grown children, two super awesome grandchildren who have my yes at all times. I say yes to everything. I have a hard time saying no to them. As uh, I'm sure if any of you are grandparents, you've learned this. I am still a believer in Jesus. He's my friend. He's my high priest. He's my chief apostle. And he's my grounding to everything I believe as a Christian. I was a believer in Jesus as long as I can remember. I'm 57 today. And I can still remember gluing a macaroni Jesus to a piece of paper as a young child in my grandmother's Methodist church. I would say that me and my wife became serious about our Christian life around 1994. We became serious about it. We, we proclaimed Jesus as our Lord and Savior. We, we began regularly attending church. And since then, and until 2003... Uh, when I retired from the Army, and by the way, the Army blessed us with the opportunity to travel all over America, I've, I've been to almost every type of church in every type of denomination. Sometimes I was a door greeter, and sometimes I was a children's church worker, and sometimes I was the bathroom cleaner and the garbage taker-outer, and sometimes I was a deacon, and, uh, and sometimes I was an elder, and sometimes I was just a fellow believer who wanted to operate in the gift of teaching and pastoring. Uh, I've had many positions in many churches uh, and uh, I was blessed 
every time I entered into anything Jesus ever asked me to do. So today, I'm surrounded by a healthy and a safe group of friends, mentors, counselors, and peers. I'm not a lone ranger. I'm not a loose cannon. Everything I say or I teach publicly passes through counsel. Uh, this podcast won't be. This podcast will not hit the internet until it's been reviewed by several people, and I get a I get a thumbs up and I get feedback. I can also say that even in my most devastating experience as a flock member or a leader, I have no bitterness towards any person at this point uh, today. Uh, I'm not angry at anyone. I'm I'm angry at behaviors that allow false teaching and bad theology to happen. And I've spent several years in complacency as unsafe church happened right in front of me. And I was complicit when I didn't call it out as it was happening. I can't be complacent and I can't be complicit any longer. My sole calling and purpose for this season of my life is to set fellow believers free from, you guessed it, unsafe church. So before I get into some of the stories, let me first say that I might use some terms you haven't heard in your church or in your denomination, and I I said that before. Again, the terms might differ, but I want you to concentrate on the behaviors or the fallout that that is inside those terms and what, what I'm trying to uncover and shine a light on that you can see. So without further ado, let's get started with kind of like my first story or the first piece of this lesson. Several years ago, I held a leadership position in a local church, and a time came where I felt the need to address the senior pastor. I was witnessing things that were not good. I was witnessing people being hurt. I couldn't be complacent. I couldn't be complicit, and I could not have my name or my family's name attached to what was happening. Now the senior pastor was damaging the church and the flock with false teaching, with manipulation, with gossip, and with other corrupt behaviors and actions. And this isn't this wasn't my opinion. This came from me, what I saw, and also others. And after attempting to address him multiple times with no success, I decided to bring my facts and my evidence to the church overseer. Now, our overseer was not local. He was located hundreds of miles away, yet he had full control of our church and our senior pastor, as well as several other churches and several other pastors. I didn't fully understand this at first, but I made the appointment. Now, the senior pastor referred to this overseer as his personal, spiritual, and apostolic authority or spiritual father. Now, if you haven't heard those terms before, they might sound new to you. Uh, this, this, this expression I was in uh, within the last three or four years was, I would call it charismatic, Pentecostal. Uh, they would say they're non-denominational. Uh, I would say that they lean that way especially with some of the terms. So if you've heard the term uh, apostolic authority or spiritual authority or spiritual fathers or things like that, that actually that actually comes from 
the shepherding movement, uh, which we're going to go into in, in future podcasts. Those terms and those words come from from other places and other things and other other expressions of faith, and they're kind of uh, adopted. So we had a an extremely tense conversation where I, I confronted the pastor about behavior. He informed me that his personal spiritual father knows about all of his decisions and behaviors and that his spiritual father was in full control of the church and all decisions made at the church. The senior pastor made it perfectly clear to me and other leaders that there was actually no multiplicity in leadership. And when I say multiplicity in leadership, what I mean is an equal circle of friends within the church, within the leadership that bounce decisions and make decisions together as one. He informed me that that is not happening. He made it clear that there is no submission one to another. There is no equal partnership or cooperation between leaders at the church. There's no church board. There's no, there's no uh, council. All leadership positions at this church were simply eye candy for the flock to make it appear that there was a leadership team. Now, me and several other families, we thought because of what we were told that we had leadership authority, we had leadership positions, and we were working together. Uh, but he made that clear that that was not the case. Now, the senior pastor literally gave the personal overseer, okay, and now in the, in the expression I, I was in, they called him an apostle or an apostolic overseer. Uh, in your in your uh, in your church expression that you're in, it may be something different. I'm going to get I'm going to kind of fast forward to that in just a little bit. Now, when I heard this, when I heard this, now let me backtrack. The senior pastor literally gave his personal overseer our church pledged our church to this overseer as well as thousands and thousands of dollars of the church's finances. Now, when I heard this, I immediately stepped down and I relinquished my leadership role at the church and I walked out. I kept my appointment with the overseer but now I was going to see the overseer no longer as a leader at the church, but as simply as a concerned member of the flock. Now, during this appointment, after seeing our church pastor, our senior pastor, now I had my appointment time with the senior leader over our church pastor and our church. And after explaining a few of the facts and a few of the circumstances that caused this meeting to have to happen, the overseer stopped me and said, I know everything you're telling me is probably accurate, but it really doesn't matter. This pastor is loyal to me. He's been loyal to me for years, so I won't be addressing any of these concerns with you. At that point, he pulled out a yellow tablet and began reading it, accusing me. 
He accused other leaders. He accused other members of the flock. He accused other families. He even accused leaders that left the church years ago of things I never knew about, I knew nothing of, and things I knew to be totally false. And these fables and these false accusations were, they were all reported to him by our senior pastor over a long period of time. During this talk, I was no longer afforded the opportunity to speak. I couldn't rebut. I was, I was simply told after the accusations were made to go back to the church, repent, apologize, and submit myself and my family back to that senior leader who was under him. And I can tell you, saints, this was the beginning of the end for me and my family at this particular church. In fact, it was just a few weeks later, we were no longer members. Now, what I just described for you is one story, but what I just described to you is unsafe church. And you probably know where I'm going next. This is a true story, and it describes a textbook pyramid system or pyramid cult, and how one leader can control everything and everyone using false information, pumped up the pyramid from loyal leaders who will do anything to show honor and stay in the good graces of the pyramid leader, always at the expense of the flock, always at the expense of fellow leaders, always at the expense of friendships, and even their own families. And after this experience, I surrounded myself with a beautiful group of family and friends. We live and minister to one another in equal submission under Jesus. We talked about this a few minutes ago. He's our spiritual father and our apostolic authority. We're not a commune. We're not a tribe. We're simply friends. There's no pyramid leader. There's no ranks. We counsel each other, other spiritually with everyone operating in every gift as Jesus directs. There's no control and manipulation. And there's no bending one another to one person's vision. We all follow Jesus for our individual lives. It isn't perfect. And we all miss it sometimes but we're free to worship Jesus with no mediator in between. And wasn't that Martin Luther's thing? Think about that. Martin Luther's fight was about the mediator between the believer and Jesus. I spent several years researching church pyramid systems. There's a long history going back hundreds and hundreds of years where leaders, theologies, doctrines, movements, and systems were used to control the priesthood of Jesus. And much of it is still happening in churches and ministries all across America. Now I can tell you, again, as a leader serving in different Christian churches with all types of varying denominational expressions, it took me many years to put my finger, finger on and be able to explain what actually causes and defines an unsafe church. So let me, let me add some more pieces to this puzzle. I can say with all confidence that when the leadership of a church allows the holy assembly of beloved priests to become unsafe for you, or for anyone else in any way. Walk out, 
simply walk out. You can leave. It is okay. You are not walking out of community. You are not acting divisive or bitter. You are not missing out on what God has planned for you. You are not unsubmitted or non-conforming. It is not a betrayal. You are not losing your hedge of protection. You are not walking away from Jesus. And here's another truth that I learned. You are never, ever, ever, as a flock member or a leader, going to change these types of things from the inside. Let me repeat that. As a flock member or a leader, if you only remember this part of the podcast, understand you're never going to change toxic, unsafe, manipulative environments or leaders that do these things. You're never going to change it from the inside. Believers who are carefully considering leaving toxic and unsafe church environments will be told by those loyal to the system that, hey, no church is perfect. We're all human beings. We all make mistakes. You need to stay in community. This is your tribe. Um, it's probably because you're not honoring correctly. You, uh, you probably have a loyalty problem. Um, you're going to lose your friends and you're going to lose your church family. Folks, let me make this perfectly clear. If your friends and your family and your church can no longer be your friends and your family after you leave your church, they were never your friends and family to begin with. This is because your standing and your place as friend and family was never grounded in Jesus. It was grounded in submission and loyalty to men inside a cult-like system. Have you ever counted how many times your church leader says I, says the word I? How many times do they talk about their personal vision or the mission or their personal mission for the church? This usually includes you rallying or submitting or giving your time, money, and resources to their vision while placing the plans and purposes God gave you personally on the back burner. Have you ever wondered why there isn't a collective vision that evolves and changes with the dynamics of the flock or the local church community? Have you ever counted how many times your leader wound up as the victim of a betrayal, a backstab, an undermining, or some secret coup against them? Have you ever wondered why there isn't a group of leaders in your church equally submitted and accountable to each other, operating in multiplicity, all hearing from Jesus as one. When a decision comes up and no one can make and, and no one has an answer, you go to prayer. Have you ever wondered why a single leader controls the mission, the vision, the money, the ministries, with no true circle of elders or equal accountability, operating totally unaccountable to anyone? This wouldn't even work in a corporation. Have you under, ever wondered why only one person in the church hears from God? And what they hear is much more important than when everyone else hears from God. Have you ever wondered why the leader always postures and positions themselves as the victim? Or the one who was undermined or the one that was betrayed? Have you ever wondered why the leader is continuously teaching on honor or spiritual authority? Have you ever wondered why the leader is unable to maintain true friendships? And why friends and family and close companions fall away time and time again. Have you ever wondered why people who question all of these things suddenly disappear? 
Have you ever wondered why those who leave these churches are always marked as disobedient or unsubmissive or troublemakers or they're labeled with some type of bad spirit? Have you actually ever wondered if you were in a pyramid cult? Pyramid cult church systems led by a single leader with no true accountability to anyone They operate inside a perverted ideology that the leader is entitled to everyone's submission and honor because they gave gave themselves a position or a title or some type of spiritual gift. Now, saints, we all know Jesus makes it perfectly clear over and over again again in Scripture that he is the giver of spiritual gifts and we should never seek or expect honor. And when it is earned, we're to return it back to the Father. Now, these leaders usually attain their title and office from another man. They call it commissioning or permission or, or, or some type of thing like that or giving them a mantle or passing. Whatever denomination you're in, they may call it something different. They attain their title from a man who attained their title from another man and so on and so on. They call this process a spiritual legacy in the expression I was in. Unfortunately, this is a legacy of men. It's not a legacy of Jesus. And they will do anything to protect it. Now, this dysfunctional leadership structure and teaching is passed down to each sub-leader within the pyramid. Honoring the leader and that system is always more important than the welfare of any of the people. Let me repeat that. In these types of church systems, honoring the leader... And honoring the system is always much more important than the welfare of any of the people. In fact, this warped honor system is so ingrained in the leader that they will send the higher leaders in the pyramid large portions of the local flock's monetary offerings, many times without anyone knowing. In the pyramid cult system I was involved in, thousands of dollars flowed up the pyramid from several churches to the pyramid leader every week and month, even while members of the local flock were struggling with finances. These were loyalty payments, and they acted as an insurance policy. See, these loyalty payments ensure that whenever there is an issue within the local assembly, the pyramid leader is always right and always the victim. Pyramid leaders, they use small amounts of this loyalty money when church issues come up. To keep everyone loyal, they may purchase or hand out gifts or vacations or other types of payments as long as those people remain loyal to the cult leader. Now, in these systems, you'll never find true multiplicity in leadership. You'll never find equal submission one to another, and very seldom will you even find true friendships. These friendships are fabricated, and they only work as long as everyone knows their rank in the system. How do you know this is true? Because those friendships don't last when someone leaves the church. Again, in the cult system I was involved in, I knew dozens of flock members, young and old, who never received as much as a phone call or even a text message after they were no longer useful to the pyramid leader. In fact, we as leaders were instructed to leave them alone. If someone left, we were instructed to leave them alone, give them time, let them repent. Or even, 
have nothing to do with them at all. And when it was discovered that a member of the flock was no longer submitted to the vision, no longer conforming, they became invisible. They were marked for removal and they were quickly painted as betrayers and the entire history of them at the church was erased. Now, in these types of systems, when a beloved family member or close friend makes an exodus, the leader is always the victim. They're the martyr. They're the one that was misunderstood. They were undermined. They were attacked. And they were unduly criticized. How do you recognize it? Well, you recognize these systems by simply witnessing the long trail of wonderful people who leave these local assemblies due to the warped theology of control and manipulation. Leaders in pyramid cults will gladly sacrifice 99 flock members to stay in good standing with the one pyramid leader. I've witnessed this happen several times. And I was deeply in, I was deeply involved as a leader when these things happened. I actually had leaders tell me that they knew that what was happening was totally wrong, but they were going to remain silent for fear of reprisal or retribution or removal from their position or even expulsion from the, quote, community. Now, you can recognize the false teaching because it's always salted and peppered with victim mentality. Everyone's against me. I was done wrong. I was misunderstood. I was betrayed. It's salted and peppered with rationalization and continuous calls for the flock to honor the leader, recommit themselves. Many times when a leader begins to lose control in, in the uh, expression I was in, they'd invite higher level spiritual authorities from other places within that same pyramid structure to come in and act as the fixers so that they can get the flock resubmitted and conformed to the local leader. In the corporate world, we would call this damage control. You can recognize the theology by the language that's used. Some of the terms that were used in my expression that I, I was in the last several years was spiritual authority, apostolic authority, spiritual sons, oracles, overseers, commissioning and seating, and a host of other invented positions and titles. In fact, they even use military ranks like general for some of the higher pyramid leaders in the system I was in. Now, when things get really bad in a cult, when too many people discover what's happening, many times the pyramid leader will simply pack up and move. They use the God told me card. <laughs> so there's no questions or arguments because as soon as you know you criticize or as soon as you question it and they say, hey, well, God told me, that's your, that's your uh, cue to back off and ask no more questions. They pack up the whole ministry. They move to a new location. They rename it. They give themselves and the mission a new title and they continue in the false teaching until it happens all over again. And it always leaves a trail of distraught families and friends. And most people looking at this from the outside would call this entire process lipstick on the pig. Now, what I discovered over several years is that this is not only happening in one church or even in one family of churches. This cult system is embedded in multiple denominations and multiple church, and church expressions all over the world.
The good news is, saints, that Jesus is cleansing his temple. Thank you, Jesus. And thankfully, over the last three or four years, I've witnessed a beautiful exodus from these perverted church systems. Many, 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 to include leaders, are speaking up. They're beginning to call this stuff out, and they're making an escape. And I know dozens of wonderful and gifted believers who left, and even some that are currently leaving these dysfunctional narcissistic systems. Unfortunately, many, even people I used to call my friends, will remain planted and they'll remain deeply rooted and they'll, they'll become hardened in pyramid cults for the rest of their lives. This is because the system and their title and their rank and their position have become their identity. They kiss the ring, they pledge their loyalty to the pyramid leader, and they've given up their personal identities and purpose to the point that they have no idea who they really are anymore. And I pray continuously for all of them to discern what's really happening and get free. Saints, may Jesus continue to open our eyes. May Jesus rescue us. May Jesus show us what the true church looks like. May Jesus show us what multiplicity and leadership looks like, what submission one to another in love looks like, what working as a team looks like, what having multitudes of counsel around you actually looks like. And may Jesus help us to tear down these horrible pyramid systems that are hurting families all over the nation. In Jesus' name, amen.